Hey there, folks. This is the Guru here. You are about to listen to a behind-the-scenes podcast or in-the-field podcast, if you will. We hope you enjoy these podcasts, and if you don't mind, if you love what you're hearing, please give us a five-star review on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, wherever you're listening to this, however you're listening to this. We just want to say thank you for the support, and welcome to Elk Season. Welcome to the Born and Raised Audio Experience, presented by Onyx. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Born and Raised Audio Experience. We're sitting here in the hotel room in a lovely place in Colorado that's unnamed. <laughs> Ted's wearing this beautiful elk shirt. Oh yeah, it is a yeah. cool elk gas shirt. station pickup. Gas station pickup. Yeah. Quick, I quick story about it. Actually, he goes, we were downloading some maps, and he goes, dude, there's some pretty cool shirts in there. Some elk shirts. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but they're, but they're twenty, but they're twenty bucks. And I was like, I like, go check them out. So I go check them out. It's like, yeah, man, they're pretty cool. So we come back out. We're sitting in the car later, and he he goes back in or whatever. A little bit later, he comes back out. We're sitting there talking. It was dark. And we're about to take off, and he goes, "Did it, by the way." And he turns to me and shows me that he's got the shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <Yeah. coughs> it reminds me of one of those like truck stop t-shirts that's got like <laughs> a wolf or a bald eagle yeah, or something yeah, it's, yeah. it's yeah, kind of like it's, it's kind sweet. of like brown tie-dye yeah like style but then, then it's just got like a mural of elk on it yeah you should y'all should see it. it it's pretty cool we'll probably have to post that on social yeah it's pretty good <laughs> uh so yeah the last day of my existence in colorado is today mm-hmm. meeting mm-hmm. up with uh trent Steve and then Trevor's flying in going to Arizona so the chapter of the reason is closed for me mm-hmm. but it's been like honestly I, I don't know how to put it into words like being able to not and not take you guys to the mountains but like mm-hmm. go share the mountains with yeah. you guys and the elk woods was really special to yeah. me um, you know it's like there's only so many Septembers in one man's life and like trying to like when you put that into reality, like every day matters. So, um, I was, it was blessed to be up there in the woods with you guys and you guys went through some horrendous conditions. <laughs> you know, I mean, like you experienced it all, like literally every facet of elk hunting except the harvest on mm-hmm. that one. But yeah. And I mean, we were talking about it last night, like as we were driving out of there, it was like the fact that these guys took 10 days of their like their cherished time you know like to to go with us and help us like i don't feel like i could ever put that into words like how like special that is it's like uh it's like a whitetail hunter giving up the first 10 days in november kind of Mm -hmm. or a turkey hunter yeah giving up a whole like a week and a half of their three week season you know it's a it's a i don't know it was like it means a lot to us, I think as well. So we're awesome. we're real happy that we got to experience it. And like it was just a straight up blast. Like it was yeah, so, it was fun. so fun. So fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
waking up every morning and it's just like, all right, load the packs. Where are we gonna go? Rip a bugle. If we're gonna go that way, yeah. You know? I don't know. Like awesome. so, the, the listeners haven't heard probably the most eventful. Yeah. The last podcast was in the blowdown patch. That's true. So oh, yeah. they have not heard the most eventful. I would say evening, night. Yeah. Well, I mean, really, the whole that if you, if you put yeah, that whole true. day. Mm-hmm. That's true. It was, it was pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah. <clears throat> Turn it off, Rambo. Well, that and we had just closed at night of having a good encounter. We were camping in the blowdown. Felt really good about our morning as far as like hearing bugles. I think you heard a yeah. bull bugle that yeah. night. And wake up to bulls bugling coming up our side of the hill from camp bugle. Bull cracks off, make a move, end up getting really close to him. He kind of skirts us, no shot. Tried real hard to get a shot on that one. It was just like, we felt like we were in the perfect spot in that one. Like Ted, we were driving yesterday. He's like, man, that one just, that one just like, gets me fired up because it was it was the one that seemed like we were in a perfect spot and he just skirted us but yeah anyway ended up he ended up working off we kind of hunted our way around and we decided we were going to start working our way kind of back through some of the stuff that we'd had encounters in earlier and like i don't know probably round one i think we were sitting there checked the weather on the on the uh the alarm the alarm mm-hmm. yeah and we were like, well, it's probably going to rain pretty hard here in the next, like, hour. So we bail off the mountain, get down to the bottom, start going into the direction that we wanted to go for that evening. And right in time, set up tents. You got in the tents, though. It was, like, just sprinkling. It's like, mm-hmm. man, yeah. what are we doing? Is this a waste? Right. And then it rains. And then about <laughs> the time that I'm like, all right, maybe we should just, like, let's go hunt. Yeah. It just opened up for like two hours so from like three to five we were in the tent and ted and i like just the nature of the ground there we were like pretty far away from you guys so it's like there wasn't well and you guys are pretty far away too there wasn't a lot of talk and it was no, just kind of in like the tent just hanging out midday midnight madness in the <laughs> staring at the <laughs> tent ceiling just listening yeah yeah so we at Five o'clock, it breaks. Like it broke hard. Yeah, like, sun came out. Sunny, I could. I. That's what got me up. I was kind of dozing off, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, bright out. Jump up out of there immediately. Like you heard a bugle, uh-huh. and then I think we all kind of heard it as we were like kind of getting our stuff ready. Again, from camp, five o'clock. It's like five o five, I think. Yeah. Bugle. Bull answers. Start moving. I remember hearing that bull a couple times before mm-hmm. we even moved, like out of camp. For sure. Like man, if I heard it, and then like on the second or third bugle, bugle on his own. You guys yeah, heard yeah. it, and I'm like, okay, I'm not going crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and we just kept moving, moving down towards these bulls, and they were kind of in the direction that we had come from. Yeah. Uh, bailing just, off. Just the around mountain. the face. Yeah. I mean, honestly. Not very far from it, where we had been. Because if we would have kept going like we planned, we would have been in the. I mean, mm-hmm. I think we would have been found right them. Yeah. But we ended up, I mean, long story short, just getting into the craziest. Like It was a rut fest. Yeah. There had to be a hot cow in there because it was like three bulls screaming, one across the drainage. And not just, I think the difference for, for 
me on that one was it wasn't like it was just both screaming responding to us like they were just bugling and, and like they were doing it whenever yeah. at right. each other at by each themselves other. yeah yes. it was it was yeah. awesome and we managed to get we were just kind of getting into the zone where like well ted could ted was filming the big one you got and, into that big one yeah sweet <laughs> and he's filming them and he goes there's a bull to our right who's like I don't know, 50, at most 60 yards up in there raking, but can't really see him. Every once in a while, I catch a glimpse of him. About 100 yards away, there's this bigger bull that's just bugling like crazy. And it's just starting to feel like, man, this is getting intense. You know, like there's a chance that something's bound to happen. One of these bulls is bound to close the distance because Cody and Wes are behind Ted and I. And tough ground, too, though. Tough ground. We were tough ground. Really Super steep. steep. Big blowdowns, like big, big blowdowns. Tough wet. to crawl Every over. You yeah. Take a step, it goes. <laughs> yeah. It was wet. It was super wet. And then the weirdest thing, then, we're still not sure. Like, I don't know that we've come to a conclusion of what happened, but we're way in there, like deep. And all of a sudden, kaboom, a gunshot. And like, kind of just ended the rut mat i mean they were still yeah, bugling it, but they worked off pretty quickly pretty after quick. that because they were there for like an hour oh, like, for a long time yeah. they didn't move much and then all of a sudden that thing went off and i don't know so I'm it still, was it was a muzzleloader for people that are wondering and in not an area that is like muzzleloader season doesn't open for another week at this point yeah because so. that was the that was the that was the eighth yeah, something like yeah. I think that eighth. was the eighth, and muzzleloader doesn't open in this area till the fifteenth. So like, I don't know. A couple ideas that we had were maybe just people like hunter harassment of some sort. And obviously, we didn't really know where those people were. Just heard the gunshot, have a general idea, but gunshot. Maybe they knew that we were moving in on them. Hopefully, that's not the case. You'd like to think that people wouldn't be that way, but the other on the other. And like it could have been just somebody trying to poach, which hopefully also like probably either more so. That, like, like, it was weird. It's, it's not way. like they're gonna be out sighting in their muzzleloader and just taking a shot. The, yeah, yeah. in like, some crappy right. weather when bulls are screaming all around them. Right. No, yeah. that's yeah. not happening. Or the nightly discharge, but like the season's not open. So it was strange. It was. Yeah. It's definitely one that like we all and it was close to us. Like it's it was. Scary. It legitimately made me jump. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, I've heard that in the past, elk hunting here in Colorado, and that is one thing, like, for listeners, if you've never hunted Colorado, look at those season dates, because bow season and muzzleloader season overlap, mm-hmm. and um, I remember specifically the first time Trent and I were ever, well, all of us were here, they had a bull screaming out in front of us, like, 200 yards, and a guy shot it, yeah. like, and we're like, whoa. What, uh, <laughs> Did you go check it out? No. no. Yeah. <coughs> um, but that was open dates when, mm-hmm. when we didn't even, like, I didn't even know at that point in time. Ran into a guy on the trail wearing blaze orange, packing a muzzleloader at a cow tag. I'm like, what's going on? He goes, oh, yeah, muzzleloader season open today. Yeah. Oh. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> but the weird thing is, is in this situation, it wasn't. So we really don't know what happened. And then I guess really past that the bull the bull that was bugling the most that was the bigger one that Ted had seen just kind of took the cow up the hill and Ted and I just made a mad like kind of a kind of a just last minute like mad dash or kind of running out of time and we just never caught up with him but 
Um, then is when it really got Followed crazy. The, the darkness rolled in. Yeah. We met back up. We bailed off the mountain right as... I had a bad feeling about that, looking at that cloud. And I thought to myself, I was like, you know what? I really want to document this. And I said, I have a feeling this is going to be bad. <laughs> you yeah. put the camera I in I put a camera pack. in my pack. Yeah. And I think I could have ruined the camera. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely. I grabbed my cell phone a couple times and filmed during the thing. And like my speakers <laughs> messed up because of it. Because it was so wet. Oh, really? Yeah. So... To put it into perspective, we're coming back down this mountain and we keep looking over our shoulder. Coming over the mountain is just this gnarly looking cloud, just dark. <laughs> yeah, just as we hit the bottom is when everything opened up. Yeah, so we like, hit this big meadow. I'd say it's about at least 150 yards wide. Yeah, wide. yeah. yeah and 200, when we probably. hit the bottom of that meadow, everything was gray. Like there was no clear sky, no nothing. And the way I talk about it is like when you see like in uh putting gas masks going into chernobyl yeah <laughs> it looks like people putting gas masks on walking into chernobyl or in like some zombie movie where they're at the x where it was like it looked like the end of the world it was crazy yeah it was and and the part that like the part that i hated the most was it would be like big flash lightning whole world would light up and then it would just be like, you'd try to count to like two and it would be like, and that wow. was scary. Yeah. And then so we were are soaking wet, all four of us going running across this wide open meadow and lightning going off straight overhead. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was the sketchiest thing I've been in as mm -hmm. far as uh, in the woods. Storm and yeah. yeah, it was, yeah, it was definitely up there as far as like scary you know, just one of those deals where you're like, when you're dealing with lightning like that, like, it's just not, you're not in the, you didn't want to be in the position that we were in. And then something that, like, we laugh about now, I feel like I got to mention. <laughs> like, we hit crossing. this, yeah, we hit this creek crossing, and, like, <laughs> I, I, I'll be, I'll be completely honest, like, I was, like, trying to haul it back to the camp, like, I was not trying to waste any time, because I did not like it, and, uh... <laughs> hit this creek crossing and we kind of are going across this beaver dam and for the most part like the area that I crossed was like super easy and I it was dark I had my headlamp on I wasn't really looking ahead kind of get to the end of this beaver dam and I'm like oh man there's a bigger the bigger gap from the last log to the bank than I thought but I got to looking at it felt my feet and I was like you know what that's a jump that Worst case scenario, I'm gonna make it, a f I'll be a foot shy. And like at this point I'm soaked, so who really cares, right? So <laughs> I wind up, you know, I kinda get the, <laughs> I get the like, the hip wind and I go to jump and I jump as hard as I can, but I go completely nowhere. My feet just either slipped or that stuff that I was standing I think that on stuff gave. stuff just kinda like gave away, <laughs> yeah. And I went just, like up to my waist in the creek <laughs> these guys all got to watch it and it was at the moment it wasn't funny no at the moment it was like uh you okay? <laughs> like <coughs> we didn't know what to say <coughs> but anyways but yeah i mean really what i ended up deciding like they were like you good and i'm just like yeah like i'm an idiot but it's good <laughs> <laughs> so we we like make it back to camp and and uh Ended up making it back to camp, just kind of like 
took all our clothes off and tried to get you know them in dry areas which is essentially just under you know the shelter of the tent and um next morning then wake up bulls were bugling that morning but like we were just completely soaked like we couldn't do anything like so soaked and it was the temperature had dropped it was clear that next morning no it was cloudy cloudy there was no sun yeah. that's right that's yeah. right yeah but like just you know just soaked to the bone like i like my underwear were still wet yeah it rained so hard <laughs> no exactly like it rained so hard literally water was running down my legs and into my boots mm-hmm. that night and it wasn't until we built a fire yep. and i kept trying to dry my boots out burnt my boots and then realized oh i'm gonna stand them up and i still after by the fire for what two hours two hours yeah for there sure. was a puddle of water like a full shot or more <laughs> rainwater in the boots like just stuff that when you're back there like wet feet and hiking in that terrain can tear a guy up pretty pretty bad well and i think one of the things though that well for one thing i will say then it's funny because like i was bummed that i fell in that creek but then i ended up deciding that i was no worse off than anybody else because like it was just raining that hard like it was insane rain but I'm from Oregon, and I've done a lot of work outside in the rain, and that was heavy rain. Well, yeah. it's like in the sheets, like yeah. your headlamps on, it's just like it went yeah, it would heavy go. wind, whoosh, and then another one, whoosh, whoosh, and it was just like a shower. It was, it was to the point blood. to where like my hat wasn't even doing anything. It was so so Saturated. soaked that it was literally just running down my face as if I was standing <laughs> in a shower, like. <laughs> Like we have, if you're listening to this, it was a terrible rain, like a terrible rain. But nonetheless, we did get dried out the next we did. day. We did, and that was pretty much. Then that was the thing. Like, I think we just, you know, we could have thrown our wet clothes on, tried to hunt, and been just straight up miserable. Like I don't, I don't think that I, I don't think that I could have handled handled it. To be honest, my clothes were that sopping wet. I'd just been freezing. But you know, we just took the time then say all right we're gonna hang stuff up we're gonna build a fire kind of get some heat on our clothes which dried a lot of stuff out we hit a certain point where you can put a lot of those clothes on and and just kind of dry them the rest of the way with your body heat but like we wouldn't have taken that time to just dry stuff out we would have i mean we'd either been miserable or had to go back Right, it'd be a hard one to handle mentally. It, yeah, the, is the what it would be. biggest help there was like it wasn't back to back days yeah. of storm, or else we would have been just in the. I mean, it would have prolonged things. We would have just literally stayed, had to stay in the tents and sleep in bags. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I think the cool thing on the bright side of that, like gear testing and everything else, like felt pretty dang solid about mm-hmm. the system. Yeah, for sure. Like if I had brought my regular whitetail stuff, it would have been soaked for the next day yeah. even around that fire. Yeah. So I was happy everything dried out pretty fast. I think that's a huge factor. Like if you're, I mean, if you're a, any type of hunter really, even if you're whitetail hunting, you know, we, 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 we have a, a line that we have to drop with the camera gear, right? But there's a lot of guys that like to hunt in the rain. Like if I could, I would hunt in the rain for whitetails in Turkey, especially like very often. But getting the type of gear, and there's tons of options out there, getting the type of gear that's gonna dry fast has always been like my number one concern. Cause when I was younger, 
I didn't have stuff and I didn't know any better. I had just like cotton, cotton stuff or like yeah. denim, you know, like the camo denim. And it was like, man, I was miserable. And then I could never get dry. And it was like, I remember in college, like buying, you know, my first, like, I don't know, I, how I first started getting into it was for fishing gear. Like first started buying clothes that would dry fast. So I could go wade the river or whatever, get soaking wet and then an hour be dry or less than an hour be dry. Then that transferred over into my hunting stuff and it's like that's always been number one and i think if we wouldn't have had gear that dried quickly like was this your first trip with marina wearing marina mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's yeah definitely definitely and it keeps you warm when it's wet surprised you guys the other thing too is like you guys are saying like making fun of me for wearing those long johns the whole time like there is fat and it was I was doing it partially to test it too. For one, I'm a cold guy. But two, like to test because they say, you know, merino is great for hot or cold. And like I I could go from being hot and fine to cold and fine. You know what I mean? Like that right, yeah. it would work for both. And I think that was super impressive as far as just testing that stuff. And it dries quick, it it's it is warm but it's breathable enough that like it wicks that heat or it, I think it wicks the sweat away from you enough that like my back a lot of times my pack would be like pretty wet but I couldn't feel that yeah yep so well gear is important as far as drying it gear is really important but we preach buy tags not gear and it's not to like tell anyone listening to not like go to our sponsors or people the gear that we use and like buy all that stuff by any means but at the same time there is a fine line of what is necessary to survive and prolong your trip yeah well lit literally like having a base merino base layer and a puffy jacket and a little like rain shell like you could go through some incredible oh, weather yeah. conditions. I mean, yes. I, well what I was what, one thing I will say is like I agree with that 100% don't like I'm because like I'm a pretty like not gear guy like I don't think fancy stuff is necessarily needed like like I like went and got stuff for this trip like on a budget still you know like I wasn't like spending well, you know thousands and thousands of dollars by any means but the system that I have I think will work in just about any yeah. weather condition yeah, for sure. so like with that being said, just explore your options. Like, I, like there's definitely there's definitely ways to make to make it work out there and get out there and hunt. You know, afford tags, stuff like that, and afford the gas to get there. Ted, yeah. If you if uh, there's a whitetail hunter out there from the East Coast, Midwest, whatever, and they're coming for their first elk hunt, what are like the f top five pieces of gear you think that? maybe they aren't thinking of or just in your opinion that a whitetail hunter who hasn't experienced like a rainstorm or long miles or something like that what are those like five gear things that you think that for specifically the whitetail hunters to think about you and you too zach yeah um i would say for sure the merino number one makes a huge difference and just like a, some sort of rain system, something that you can protect yourself with, and which like in your like you rolled with a frog tog yeah, jacket. Yeah, I just had a frog tog jacket. Is more than sufficient because, 
like the times that you're gonna have it on like camo doesn't so much matter it's no. like literally protect yeah. yourself yeah i mean the way we like you said with camera gear we when it ducks and rains like yeah yeah i guess i would think about like you're bringing one pretty much one set of clothes so you can't be changing clothes out there <laughs> you know what i mean so just having stuff that's lightweight and the minimal as possible like i felt like i had pretty good stuff i should have probably had something a he little heavier to throw on for when it got cold but yeah like just one system of this, is, stuff this was your guys' first like backpack hunting trip backpack hunting yeah, yeah 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 like what was that like for you guys well one one other thing i'll mention before before we get into that okay. about the gear something that for me and it may not be for everybody like i got a pair of boots with the more solid so i have flat feet and my whole life, it's my feet have ached, like playing sports and stuff, like playing infield my whole life, like standing on cleats on that hard ground, like would fatigue my feet so bad. And when I'm whitetail hunting, I like to wear, I've been wearing Keen boots because they're like, they're light, they're like tennis shoes, they're super soft on the sole. But I noticed this summer, just doing a lot of hiking before this, that my feet were getting really fatigued. So I got a boot that I would never wear for whitetail hunting, but it's a harder sole. And like that made my feet feel so good, man. Every morning I woke up, never had a single problem. So I think just like looking, like there's gonna be a difference with you between like the Rocky Mountains and just your mm -hmm. standard like ag yeah. country dirt. Like that's so much different on your feet. So that's one thing that I would say too that especially if you have problems if you don't have problems with foot fatigue then maybe it's not as big of a deal but like that was something that to me that like I, I good footwear I think is important as well and there's a lot, of, a lot of good options out there as far as that goes but you know the backpack thing moving forward to what you asked Cody like what it was like for, for me was like I, I no I told you but like I have dreamed of doing that since for, for as long as I can remember because I like to backpack and I like to hunt and I've always wanted to combine those two because to me that's like the ultimate adventure it's like it's like it's so much different than just going hunting and going home and that's what we always do like and Ted and I were talking about it too on the drive like we both like can't just camping whatever like being outside that whole time and it's like just adds this whole different element of like it's hard it, it's to me it's actually just hard to explain I feel like the only thing that I can say is like you gotta go try it like if yeah. you have any interest in doing it it's not just and think not how easy it was too. Well, that's what I was gonna say too like yeah. I, I, I not that I was ever like oh man, this is gonna be crazy, like it's gonna be scary. Like I never felt that way because I do have experience like, you know, living in the back country, but it really isn't that hard. Yeah. Like it really isn't that hard. In reality, I would say physically can be easier than guys that are day hunting. Cause yeah. Cause you don't have to get up at four and drive an hour or whatever and then hike in the dark to get where you want to be you well, literally we, wake up on the mountain and you're like yeah, you're hunting. Man. that's what we talked about too like so with whitetail and turkey we do so much like we don't sleep and i mean if you've listened to any of our uh, like hunting or 
or you know our videos or podcasts like we talk about it a lot and like we usually look like crap because like we're not sleeping then the reason is is we're spending so much time driving walking in and out you know messing with camera gear capturing footage like we had all that stuff like you know we would just like basically film the day eat dinner hang out for 30 40 minutes go to sleep yeah and in bed by nine o'clock we were mm-hmm. every night we were in bed by nine o'clock oh, yeah. for sure and like that has never happened in the history of the hunting public hunting seasons ever like no way have we like i honestly don't remember if there's ever been a time we've been in bed by nine o'clock so with that being said i feel like it was so much easier on us like to wake up and you're like man i'm fresh like i got eight hours of sleep i'm like ready to rock and you then know? you hear a bull bugle from camp. Yeah, and then, then that's the next one. Well, and that's too. like every step's efficient. I mean, you, you know, like that you're not you're not going in and out. You're not driving. Like every step's an efficient direction of like hunting. Yep. It's, it's just so... It's, it's intimidating thinking about like carrying your camp and your food. Like in, and we change this. Like normally our strategy's been like going for three or four days three or four days worth of food where this one we planned for six ended up doing seven um you know so there's some extra weight and bulk there um, but like really it wasn't i mean you know i think I, I would recommend like having some sort of training you know going into it like it's going to be there's going to be some definitely some more physical aspect of being in the mountain if you're if you're i guess referring to people from the east even if you live in the Appalachians like you know the steepness and stuff as far as steepness goes we've hunted in steeper stuff in the midwest straight steepness but that elevation and then just the length of that climb that's the difference and that's where you get like and the weight on your back and the weight on your back so like there's just aspects of it that you know, are going to be different regardless. Like we talked to a guy at the trailhead, said he came out here, felt good about it, had the gear list, was stoked about his gear, like everything, got altitude sickness. Like literally had fluid in his lungs. Yeah, had to go to a hospital, yeah. Yeah. So I don't, and I guess, dang, I wish I would, almost wish you wouldn't, I wouldn't say stuff like that because don't want to intimidate people because it really is like, I believe, I truly believe if you go, you have confidence in your physical ability, your gear, and just trust in your buddies and stuff and like trust that you can do it. Like it really isn't, it really isn't hard. Like I would say um, the reason I was drinking so much water is because I was afraid I was gonna get out. <laughs> yeah. So I was just chugging Dude, water yeah. like all day. I've never, I, I will say, I've never seen someone drink so much and pee so much I was, than Ted. I was pretty, like, I was kind of nervous about it going up at first. Like, I feel like I got... Mostly because my uh, aunt just, like, gave us the worst case scenario. My aunt is classic <laughs> at doing that. She was, yeah. like, basically just, like, made it sound like we were going to go up there and just, like, be sicker than the dog. You know? every, every, year, <laughs> every year, usually the first day, I've got a headache. Really? Yeah, yeah. see, I, I was getting a headache a couple nights. I got a headache, so... Like, I would take Nadville or something, but, yeah, I mean, I was just drinking a ton of water yeah. every day. <laughs> it's impressive. I just, I just like, really would encourage people to, I mean, and if you're worried about it, like, find an area that you can camp on and practice for deer or turkey, you know? That's, you know, if go get out there and 
test your gear. Like I know that I like I know my dad wants to go elk hunting next year, and he's like, he's got buying all the gear now. He's gonna go whitetail hunting national forest where he can camp and backpack in, and like just testing his gear so he knows that he's ready to rock. That's cool. That's sweet. That's cool. So like, with that being said, I think there's ways to practice. I mean. Go back, just backpacking, you're just wherever. Go find some backpacking loops in your area. I mean, you can find that stuff if you research it and just practice, I think. Just do it out in your yard. Yeah, like. Just get comfortable with your, I only had one day with my uh-huh. gear, really. Yeah. But I mean, I was with you guys, so I wasn't too worried about it, but mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, just do it at night, do it. I mean, talking about tent, I guess. Just have all your gear and practice with as much as you can and you'll be pretty pretty well set I'd say having a a headlamp too I think is also just like in the back of my mind always it's like there were some nights where we would hunt right up till dark like right up till end of legal light and we turn around I was like well now we gotta find a flat place to camp having that headlamp is just like we're good baby like we can just go like we'll just walk until we find a spot like yeah. you can still see and like then you to just take like, your time to add to that i think onyx yes i would honestly say that onyx is probably our most used tool throughout the day yeah that's besides our, I, I, besides our backpack and what we're wearing in our boots we're i think we don't even do a good job talking about it but when we spook a bull or when we see hear a bull bugle we literally pull up Onyx <laughs> oh. to figure out where he's at. Not no, because it, of where we're hearing him, it's, but because of where he's at. Oh, there's a bench right there. Where we a, can move Where to. we can move to and then come in. And the difference hunting, like 2012, our first out-of-state hunt, GPS, I had a little Garmin Oregon 450, color map, you're thinking like, it's awesome. The difference of using that to Onyx on my phone is <laughs> unbelievably different like yeah. now like toggling but like i'm always a topo guy first mm-hmm. like yeah. looking at the terrain and then i'll bring in hybrid a lot of times mm-hmm. to see what's going on but i don't know how many hundreds of times i just reach over unzip my pouch and the side hip belt grab it look at it cool we're heading right towards that bench you yeah know, or whatever and this trip the other thing that um i i will say like watching you guys and how you guys hunt like you guys are very good skilled hunters like woodsmanship wise of um, understanding terrain thermals like so many facets i think that you know we probably take for granted or like likewise for you guys like you're just growing up in the woods Mm -hmm. and not like thinking about things and just moving navigating the woods um you guys are are very dialed in your thought process and even more analytical than what we normally are in the elk woods like you like it was interesting to see like you pick up on some things that I'm like I guess that's something that I don't ever think about but just react on but then you noticed it and like took adaption to it so um, the elevation band this year was something between the two spots totally different oh yeah like people have asked like what what altitude should we hunt at and it varies location and year to year this year in particular we found like the sweet spot between 9,800 and 10, 10, 1, 10, yep. 2, like that 300, 400 foot elevation band on the mountain was where they wanted to be. Like just as it's off the face, starting to bench out, it's not above tree line. 
Yeah. And but the other spot was like they wanted to feed above tree line. Yeah, like on a on like a face way up and at like eleven thousand. Yeah. So. And one uh, thing, one thing that I, I know I've mentioned probably in previous podcasts, and I've mentioned to you guys, like it's this. I would say with deer and turkey, we're always looking for fresh sign. Elk, we're looking for fresh sign. The thing that like really, I definitely feel like the process sped up for is like if you're not finding elk sign, don't be afraid to zigzag in elevation. Like go up, go down. Like one day we worked a pretty high elevation, didn't find anything, dropped down, found them. And it's yeah. like, and in reverse on the first spot, we were kind of hunting low, kind of bumping into hunting pressure, not seeing a lot of fresh sign, just kept going up until we crossed that band of, you know, elevation that the sign was in where the elk were spending their time. And it's like, I feel like just cut, like going up and down an elevation might have been something that I wouldn't have done as quickly. Like maybe taken three days instead of one day with right. you guys. And yeah. I think that really sticks out. If you're not finding them, go up. And like, if it means to move your camp up higher, like I've had, I've had friends in the past tell me like, yeah, we went out to hunt elk in whatever state and we, we were camped too low. They were too high. Well, then move. And then move. Yeah. I mean, not not. You, you gotta be where you gotta be where the animals are that you're hunting. It's like, and if you're always feeling like you're playing catch up, then like adjust accordingly. You know, even if you're making a base camp, I would say like if you have a small base camp and you're like, like in this situation, if you were camping down at the very bottom, you're down at like what, eight eight. Yeah. Eight thousand eight hundred feet we were finding those elk about a thousand feet higher than that. So every morning you gotta wake up and climb a thousand feet, no way. <laughs> Switch that camp and just like adjust it, put it up there, and then you can hunt that band more around a mountain or around a peak or whatever it may be, along a ridge or something, a little bit easier than having to go straight up. Because like, I mean, just talking to the guys that were hunting that area, like when we came out now, we didn't see anybody the whole time we are in this new spot, how, right? How many trucks were at the trailer, do you think? There was a freaking bunch. I mean, with horse trailers, there's probably 20. I mean... Probably 20. I don't know where the heck they the, went. Yeah. We didn't see them. But, but that's yeah. the thing. I think I, I'd really... What I was kind of getting at is I think based off of talking to the people that are hunting, day hunting from the trailhead or even hunting, day hunting from a base camp that, you know, the horses have taken in, they're all too low. It's like they're all just trying to chase up, and then that's why they're saying, oh, like you can never catch them in the morning. Well, you can't catch them. If, like they are going to be faster than you. Yeah. Like if they want to go up. Good luck. Could, yeah. They, they train yeah. every day. Right. <laughs> you know? And like I think what we did that was different is we started up there. They were coming up, kind of betting on the elevation that we were camped on. And then even once they betted, you know, we're kind of sneaking through those betting areas, calling, trying to sound like elk to try to get them fired back up versus just hunting them in the morning, trying to hunt them on their way up. Get up there with them, stay with them, be on that elevation band, and don't don't go where there's, you know, no sign or old sign or nighttime sign, you know. Just about re using your woodsmanship to read that sign and just be in the game at all times. Because what I learned from you guys too that, you know, is contrary to like most, 
it, it's just it is really ironic in my eyes that like it is I feel like it's so similar to what we talk about like do something different than what everybody's doing in hunting right. in whitetail and turkey you guys are doing the same thing with elk everybody just wants to hunt morning movement and evening movement we're hunting right through those bedding areas all day and we had midday madness oh too. yeah like it, and i told him it's like man it feels like when you get one to bugle in the middle of the day like that's the one you're gonna get yeah now you're not hearing the the just sheer amount of bugles that you do first thing in the morning and the evening but if you stay consistent you just keep hunting you know going to where you think the elk are going to be bedded dude just think if you get if you get on a bull midday every other day we were in there for eight days that's four bulls like that we were within like killing like Mm -hmm. a lot of people have like four four bull interactions a year mm-hmm. we're having four just in that in the middle of the day that's not even counting the prime time it's not even counting prime time yeah. so that's like that's that's big numbers i mean yeah really when you think about it, it, it so. and it's just it, man. it's i mean and that's it's just maximizing the time mm-hmm. it's Maximize. like <laughs> he's referring to the meat cutter uh, in wyoming <laughs> last year with, Trent's get his bull cut up and you know look, we're very particular about our meat right? uh-huh. and he goes uh, do you want to maximize those steaks and he's like Trent's like yeah and he goes okay so we're going to maximize and Trent's like yep let's maximize everything <laughs> I don't even know what that means do we get like more steaks out of this yeah. than the usual I don't know maximize <laughs> that's a little insider uh, you have to maximize those uh, yeah no, and I think the other thing that I learned on this trip like I've always been uh, go whenever you can go mm-hmm. dates don't matter I've felt like we were fighting the rut activity mm-hmm. on this trip. Um, and that hot weather definitely was harder midday mm-hmm. when things kind of, sh- when I've always been about like having the card shuffled with mm-hmm. weather changes. I don't like two days of rain, I, but those thunder showers seem to like, it, it condenses the activity before and after those storms. So, um, you know, here it is, what, the 10th or 11th? Today's the 11th. 11th yeah. Um, so early on, I think it can have some challenges. Now, last year, we came to Colorado. We hunted the 1st through the 10th. And the rut activity was similar. We didn't have any midday encounters. It was more evening, mornings and evenings. Like, they did not. We, a couple days there with Trevor and Phelps, they did not bugle after 8.30 in the morning until 4.30 in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Like one day, we literally sat from 8.30 in the morning I to 4.30 because we had bulls screaming all over in the basin, could not get anything instead of blowing them out and move. Like normally, our play is just like kike, 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 kike. And it was the first time we're like, okay, let's think about this. If they're here, they're not calling. Yeah. Let's wait it out. Sure. And that evening, it was a total screen fest. And we, I saw we that killed, You know, and it was like, wow, maybe, like, I've definitely, in the last few years, kind of taken some things in and, like, adjusted our... Analytic, you analyzed a little bit Analyzed a little bit more. Like, in the, even Kentucky Steve said, man, you guys were always in a hurry. Yeah. Like, five, six, seven, eight, ten years ago, 
it was like, go, 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 go. We got to go harder and faster than anybody. Yeah. And now realizing that you can pass, like move through some areas that could give you some good opportunities. Like it's okay to sit down for an hour That's and, it. And, and chill and let things develop where it needs to be developed. Mm-hmm. But it's also knowing when to when. do that and when to like, Keep okay, we got to, we're not in them. We got to get over to that other mountain. We got to try it to find better sign, right? right. Like we got to yeah. find a higher density of sign. Yeah. Um, I guess the question like for you guys, so going with guys that had never been elk hunting, what are some things that like, just some questions maybe that we asked or some things that we like that stuck out as far as like, oh, like that's, that's a cool thing. I wish I could tell that to more new elk hunters. Was there anything like that that stuck out? I mean, or? I think through this series of podcasts, you pretty much have like that first night, some of the questions you had were spot on. I think your guys' mentality is like being aggressive in the whitetail and turkey woods correlates exactly how we are elk hunting. So I think you already had that mindset mm-hmm. where maybe a lot of people are still like afraid to bump them or yeah. you know afraid to to move through their bedding areas because that's like taboo in the whitetail world because mm-hmm. you don't like we never did jump maybe we never the, very, the, the very first day we yeah. bumped an elk in the in the bedding area mm-hmm. that jumped and spooked but then we bumped we some cows like day two maybe but like yeah, nothing but crazy exactly so um you know and two i think the other side of it um kind of listening to you guys like you look at a weather forecast okay the winds of southwest at 10 miles an hour like you can bank on that direction Mm -hmm. you come here and it literally doesn't matter what the forecasted winds are it off these high tops you get these like turbulent these downdrafts updrafts like you have to just play it as it is like yeah that is one thing that was interesting to me is like you really don't (laughs) <laughs> pay too much attention to the wind until stuff starts to happen right, because right, it's right. swirling so much. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. that was well, crazy how much it swirled. Like, that's that's where we like had some really close calls was just getting winded and like, what do you do? You can't. Like, there's yeah, like, nothing any. There's that, nothing that any of us was like, man, we should have went that way. It's just yeah. like you're playing it. You best can't you get can. upset at yourself no, either because it's not really you. out of your control. Yeah. You can do everything as far as by the book as possible. And I'll and tell you guys. I'll tell you guys. <laughs> no matter what you're doing, as far as like, like you know, I know for the whitetail hunters, like, and we talk about it all the time. Like, we don't use scent control products. Like you're gonna sweat these things can smell so much a deer or an elk can smell so much better than you that it's not worth the extra you're gonna exhaust yourself and you're gonna stress yourself out more you just got to play that wind best you can be paying attention to it once you've located a bull or a deer just play it as it is and make the adjustments right yeah movements are yeah and that's tough it's like sometimes the wind was blowing right at our back and i'm like that's okay because that's only a 20 yard swath right chances of them being right here you know if the majority of the wind's blowing that way is not mm-hmm. going to be the case they're going to be higher or lower or whatever we need to move up the mount you know up the face or across this face you just got to go with it and mm-hmm. then make adjustments according to that um, and then the other thing that does hamper and i think people need to be aware is on a coming out to hunt elk for five days six days like a five day hunt honestly you're really hindering yourself on success for weather conditions everything like that like 
the last day and a half we had high winds. Mm-hmm. You for our game of the mountain mountaintop shuffle, yeah. right? Is yeah. bugle move, bugle move, bugle move. Sound doesn't travel. You can't hear back. Like it. It basically was like ping in the wind a little bit. Oh yeah. But, for, you know, for our game, it's totally a breaker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For other other styles, that could be totally huge for spot and stock. You like know? yeah, if you're in open ground, yeah. you could glass them up. Yeah, yeah. You, you could move fast, and that that wind would cover your noise. But. It's yeah. It's just a. I think having. I would say, in my opinion, to shoot anything in a new area and in just even just like a week and a half like that's like go into it with the expectation that that's such a small time period that like you're gonna be it's gonna be a lot of learning too so like if it's your first trip don't be discouraged if you don't like I can't express enough like don't be discouraged if you don't have success please keep going keep doing it because that's I feel like to me that's when you really start to figure things out no matter what you're hunting I mean even if you're small game hunting like don't just go one time and say ah dang I didn't do any good like that's not how this works man right. like this is like you guys have hunted elk for a lifetime we've hunted deer and turkey for a lifetime like literally since we were little squirts like right like it, it, it's just one of these things that it's not gonna come overnight it's not gonna come probably in a week you know or ten days like there's just going to be factors of it that you're going to have to continue to learn and that building that skill set up is like, you know, ultimately to me what, and, and luckily for us, like we are very, very fortunate that we get to do it a lot more than other people. Right. And I understand that. Yeah. So like, you know, where we're learning these things because we can go for, you know, I'll end up hunting elk for 17 days in the first season that I've ever gone. And like, that's probably 10 more days than most people or, right. or roughly. So like with that with that being said, like I understand that that's like a jump in the right direction, but like it's all experience. Hunting to me, what it all boils down to, we can talk strategy, we can talk wind, we can talk elevation, we can talk, you know, tree stand ground hunting, we can talk about calling, whatever. What actually ends up always being the case is experience. 100%. You just have to have that woodsmanship skills. I mean, you could talk for hours, days, weeks, years about strategy. But what it really comes down to is your experiences and what you learn. So just getting out there, trying it, having that failure, having failure is important because then you learn from mistakes and failure is cool, man. It's cool, don't be afraid of it. It's awesome, like sometimes it happens as part of this game, like it's not just out there killing your hunting. No, we. Well, I mean we were talking about that when we hit the road yesterday and it's like, People are so afraid to fail, they don't even start. And mm-hmm. that, that in itself is failure. Yep. Um, not attempting. Yeah. I, I guess um, one thing that I think would be cool for our listeners, um, you know, that, that maybe have never elk hunted, you talked about the similarities of turkey hunting, yeah. whitetail hunting, like how that carried over here into the elk woods. Mm-hmm. Kind of talk through that and then maybe like the scale of what the elk hunting was in comparison, but how really that approach isn't all that different. Yeah. Well, do you have anything, Ted? Yeah, I would say. Because surely I'll say more. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I would say it's very, it seemed very similar to turkey hunting to me as far as the calling and everything, especially once you struck one up. Like, 
from that point on, the only <laughs> yeah, the only difference to me was playing the wind, really. Uh huh. Like the first one we got was like, all right, we're going at him. You know, Cody's back there calling. We're moving in. He's coming. Or he's kind of hung up. You know, so we're moving in. And then the only thing that was really different when he finally broke is he's coming circling downwind. Right. Mm-hmm. That was like the only thing that I thought was really any different. Obviously, it's a different animal and stuff, but. That was the only difference that I think there was, was, okay, he's gonna probably come to the left because the wind's blowing to our left. So yeah, he's, down, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. I think as far as tactics go, if you could combine whitetail and turkey, like you have this, you have yeah. elk. Yeah. Like tactics are so similar. It's still just hunting, right? Like it's yeah. still like, it's still hunting an animal that can smell, and then you add the calling. It's kind of like then you morph the turkey and the deer. Right. Um, the difference is, like you said, the scale. Like I've referenced, like in my in my head, it's like you pick the the, the t- tallest hill in your area of whitetail country or turkey country, and you just like pick it up, and you just make all that expanded. Like that's what you're dealing with. So one thing, a couple things that I found interesting, like the calling for elk is very similar. Like they do the same things that turkeys do aside from circling that downwind side. Like if they can get up on a high point and look down and hang up, buddy, they're going to. Yeah. And like a turkey will do that too, you know, especially if you're not using decoys and turkey woods, like they'll get to a spot where they can see and they'll hang up. Elk do the same thing. Calling, you know, even the direction of the call to make certain sounds go certain directions to kind of make the like manipulate the situation as that's yeah. doing the same thing in turkey you know as far as like where you find elk man i could not even begin to explain how similar a bedding area for elk is in terrain as it is for a whitetail like just like to a t like like the same terrain types just huge scale that's exactly where you find beds. Like it's, it. I feel like hunting whitetail and bed hunting whitetail aggressively like that made this finding elk like, like way, way smoother. Interesting. Way smoother. Cause it's just like, whoa, okay. Cause as soon as you say, you know, we're looking at an app, we're like, I think they could be here. It's like, well, that makes sense because like that looks exactly like what I would be looking at if I was looking at this area to find whitetail just that same bench that kind of that break where you've got a bench and it falls off and there's like that rim and there's beds all around that rim yeah man that's exactly like what you would find here a whitetail or up in like a basin where you kind of it's similar to like a what we call a bowl yeah yeah you know in smaller habitat it's like beds are in the same places again the difference is is you're not going home and you know whatever sleeping in your bed you're just living out there with them but other than that I mean the tactics are so they really are so similar but what I think you know I guess to like put my final thoughts on the difference between elk and and deer is just like the way that we were hunting now you can I think you can elk hunt in a lot of different ways thousand different ways yeah Mm -hmm. the way that we were hunting elk you gotta be mentally you gotta be mentally tough and I think that ultimately like 
to me was just like the closing argument of like, you don't have to be as mentally tough to deer and turkey hunt if you can go home or you can walk back to the truck in a half mile or a mile or two miles. Right. It's like to get, you, you, now don't get me wrong, you have to be mentally tough in those in those situations for sure. You have to be but, able to handle yourself. You have to be able to handle, not freak out, get buck fever, whatever it right. is. Correct. And 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 there's gonna be times where like you know, you might be a little bit nervous going paddling down a river in the dark or whatever to get to your setup or wherever you want to start hunting, whatever it may be. There's definitely situations in whitetail and turkey hunting, in my opinion, that like still also hunting like you know we do for those animals. Like you have to be like it's going to be a grind sometimes but with the elk hunting the way we were doing it that never stops like right. that never stops there's like i mean dudes my boots were wet for four <laughs> days and like i could have you know i could have easily just been like ah like i want to go back but you know that, it's like we're still hunting as a group and like as one as if one of us falls apart it's like then the group falls apart and i think that's what's so different and it creates this like this it creates this friendship that is like unexplainable. Really. Bonds are built in the mountain. Yeah. Like, like literally the brotherhood. That, and We're I destroyed. think that's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, for it's sure. Truth. But, oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. can see you it. You know, interesting enough, like I wasn't that nervous about going into this trip where I, in the past where I haven't hunted with people. I'm like, yeah, I've watched enough of your guys' content, like understanding where you were at. And after the first day and then like, in the mountains, you guys were totally jacked, and I'm like, this is terrible elk hunting. Like, we haven't seen a sign, <laughs> you know, like, you know. Zagra just like, this is great. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, all right, this is gonna be a good trip. And I and I think your guys' attitude, your approach, like the open-mindedness to it, like embracing the, the suck of it, right? Yeah. Yep. And enjoying the fact, like, we're out here grinding it out, and we haven't heard a bull. Like, the last day and a half, was, the hunt, we did not hear or see an elk. And like, there was never just like, oh man, this sucks. No, like it was no. just, yeah. we're just out here hoping, you know, hoping, hey, if we don't, it's, we've had an awesome trip. We've had some encounters. And I I will say, this is the first time I've gone like on a 10 day trip and I don't think we've killed one. And I was totally content. Like it was a yeah. great trip. And, and I felt like the success of it um, like I was texting my wife and she's like, you have so many, she was the one too. She's like, how do you feel about it? I'm like, I feel great. Like we have a lot of time left to hunt, fortunately. Like we're going into an, another hunt that's gonna yeah. be totally different, that's exciting for us. Um, well, you guys we, get the opportunity to go back in the woods and- We all are really in a sense, like, uh -huh. like you're going to an area you've never been to, you're going to Nebraska, yeah. which is an awesome place that. to hunt. You know, Wes and I are going back to hunt elk in the same areas. You're going to hunt elk in a different state that you're like, is a tag that you're super stoked about. Yeah. Like it's gonna be, you know, <laughs> it, it's great. Like it's great. We're all fired up still. Like we don't feel like. I don't feel like we failed. No, no, I, I really, absolutely yeah. not. Maybe we did we... not shoot a bull. Right. No. I don't, I don't <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm not we gonna. Had, we had like what? We figure being, being generous, like six bulls inside of like effective bow range. Yeah, 100%. Easy. Like yeah. maybe a couple more even. And yeah. it's like there just weren't shots. Like they're like in in like I told you guys like I was trying, man. Like I was really trying to move and get into a good position. It just like every little factor, every dang step that those bulls took once they were inside of that range was wrong. And 
I don't feel, because we had encounters, I told, here's what I said. I know I told like a lot of buddies this actually on, on phone or whatever talking. It's like, I said, my ideal, like the ideal for this trip would be two or three encounters. And we way overshot that. Mm-hmm. Like see two or three elk and like way better than I expected. And like had just a few subtle things gone differently. Like I started thinking about all these encounters. It's like, man, the first day we had one inside, the first bowl we had inside of 30 yards. We had a tank inside of 18 yards. You know, we had we had several bulls that were around 35 that just, just could never quite get an open shot on them. I mean, they had a couple uh, bulls coming in that were coming hard and got winded, you know, funky the, wind at the last second. The one thing that I will say, um, and I was stoked on, mm. the bulls that we found, we were able to call oh, yeah. it. Like yeah. it wasn't, I've done a lot more chasing in the years past. Like, mm-hmm. you know where you located the, the bull at your first bugle? Like yeah. that ha- it seems to happen more often than not. Mm-hmm. And where we had bulls crack off, we moved in, set up and called in. Like I felt really, I mean that, that I don't know, like for me as a caller, I was mm-hmm. like, dude, this is awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and just to like, and, and also for us to like listen to like, cause I have been practicing calling, but like you were doing the calling and it's like, just to have that experience too, of like actual interaction was super valuable. Like, so there's really, there really is no failure. I mean, I, I can't, I, yeah. I, and I told you guys this too, like there's a lot of hunts that like, I hold a grudge, I hold a hard grudge. Like New York Turkey is one that like, I, I hung my tag up in my room, like never gonna forget. Like I'm going back until I went and like, you know, I felt like changed the, or like even the score with them. Right. I don't feel like I'm gonna hold a grudge the same with this. Yeah. Just because I learned so much. Huh. And I had like, I had an expectation and we so surpassed that, that like, even though we didn't pull the trigger, it's like, it's just, yeah, there's just no, there's no amount of failure in it. That's awesome. To me, to me, I, I would say I don't think we failed anything, but I'm also the guy that I'm never going to say that we were still successful because to me, the reason we're there is to kill another. Oh yeah, right? not full. I'm so, also not fully satisfied, correct. but don't feel like that's we the failed. thing. But I don't feel hungry like we for failed. more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't yeah. feel like we failed at anything. We no. might not have succeeded in. The mission, you know, harvesting an elk, yeah. the high country yeah. harvester, you know. But yeah, I think at the, the same time, don't get me wrong too. Like, <clears throat> I'm stoked that I get to go back. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like, hey, same. there is this chance that it's like same. we can even the score. Yeah. Like, there's a chance we can go in there and just waylay them. There's a chance that we come back and we're in the same position. But I'm anxious to hear how the next ten days goes for you yeah. guys. Yeah. Like yeah. that. Um, I think the weather change, I think it's interesting. Like when we got back to the trailhead, those guys were like, man, did you guys hear him this morning? We're it's like, getting on. No, you know? we, we actually had a horrible last yeah. day and a half, but it's, it's, I think sense. it's going to get, I think just for my whitetail hunting, like I walked outside this morning after we ate breakfast and I was like, oh. It's changing. It's yeah. changing big. Like I'm, it's cold out there. I'm still convinced that there's something 
like just nature seeing it, it seems later um, we talked about this yeah on aspens mm-hmm like I Nothing think looks folly at no. all. It looks like summer out there. So yeah, it's yeah. still super green. So I think that that's, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. Like, there's going to be a cow cycle for sure the first of September. Like, there's yeah. going to be some rut activity in isolated areas. And as the greater good of the month goes on, I think now you'll get more cows and estrus, and everything's going to be just in an elevated state. Um, and I, I think like it is it, later this year. Like, yeah. I really do feel like... The, the shift and how things well I think I think of it this way it's like it's like because I would say that I feel this way I guess I'm referring to the whitetail rut when I say this but I would assume that it's similar for elk it's like at the beginning of November every year I've hunted some hot Novembers man like some days November 1 through 7 where it's 75 degrees whatever you know and that's brutal but it's like there's still some like there's still some like does in heat, right? There's still bucks that are like rutting, but they're very specific areas. And then like, I think when that temperature drops, you just see the, the bucks or bulls just Activity. become more active. Right. Yeah. So like they feel it a little bit more when it's cold, but if in their area there's a hot doe or cow, then they're going berserk still, even if it's 90 degrees, 100%. because like it's still like, that's still nature, right? Like they're still, they still are gonna breed, mm -hmm. but you may just see like less activity from the whole herd or the whole totally. deer or I mean, elk herd. Thinking about that, running into those guys on the trail on the way in, they're like, oh yeah, we heard a bull this morning, he's headed up there. And he's like, it's been like Mexico in here, it's 80 yeah. degrees. Yeah. It was 80 degrees, we cracked one off and it was straight up noon. Yeah. Or two o'clock, I can't even 12, I think it was 2, 12, yeah. 20. Was like 12, 20. Yeah. Zach's first bugle first reply and I about tackled you yeah. I was so proud of you I don't know like not that I should be proud of you no, for it, but no, like, it's it's cool. like, like it is cool it was an accomplishment mm -hmm. yeah no I I remember thinking like doing all this calling my car is like is this actually gonna pay off or am I just gonna sound like a like an air horn out <laughs> for your first year in the elk woods like I was super impressed like you could tell the dedication and the thought that went into it so just hours and hours and I I mean it's I, I think it's important. I, I do. I don't. Wouldn't say like we've talked about it the other day. It's like, it's like if it can help in any way. I, I've always been. I'm starting to have this like life shift. And I, for the record, I want to put this on there. Like with calling. Like I've always been, you know, the guy that's like ah, I don't really care. Like I'm gonna be average at calling. I'm gonna know. Mostly referring to turkey. It's like I'm gonna know where the birds want to be, and that's what's gonna kill them, because I think a lot of times that is the most important factor. But I get to thinking about it, it's like, you know what, I love hunting. I'm gonna do it forever. Why not just be as good at calling? Because I strive to be as good at hunting as I possibly can be, for, like personally. Why not just take that calling to that level too? And I think, you know, just having that, just have it in your car, you know? Maybe every time you're going to work on your commute to work, popping in a diaphragm whether that's turkey or elk like just practice even if you're not planning on going to elk hunt for two more years practice now because like when it because when a bull's bugling and your heart rate's up and you're winded from running up the hill you better be able to put that tube up to your mouth and rip a bugle just exactly like you are <laughs> you know and i think practice the practice is the only way you're going to get that because it's it's a different feel when you're moving around and, yeah. and you're winded, you know. 
Man, it has been a blast, guys. Yeah, it's been an honor. Absolute blast. Yes. I like, it's just one of those deals where you're just like, I really don't want it to end. <laughs> <laughs> just rather it not. It's not a breakup, though. Like, I know, I know, I know. It's like, yeah, yeah. I know, but it's I'm like. just I, going away for a little while. Yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I'm actually terrible at, like, that. Like, the end of, like, when Zach left, I was like, no, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, but it's just, it's just a, yeah, I don't know. You become like, literally didn't see another human other than these dudes for like a long time. Yeah. You get pretty like, and and then when you're all on the same page, it makes it just so dang fun, man. Yep. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. No, I, I'm, and I think. For, for those just on the board, guys that have never heard of the hunting public, like mm-hmm. I highly, highly encourage you to go watch their content, listen to their podcast, follow yeah. them on social. Cause like, and I think that was the one thing coming into this. Like I had felt it's like East and West and we're the same, oh. we're just different species, but like the mm-hmm. same cloth. Well, that's um, a, we were know. talking, we were talking last night, we were driving back here. It's like, isn't it crazy that there's just some dudes from Oregon that are just like us? Like, you know, you know like, I, like, I was born in Ohio, Ted was born in Iowa, like, you guys are born in Oregon, it's like, and we're, it, we're like so similar, it's crazy. Yeah. Like, when it similar really- Similar different, yeah. but just exactly the same, but totally opposite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 I mean, but like, it is amazing how like it's just you can just hop in the woods with some guys and like it just as smooth can be it's pretty dang cool and i i would say on our end too like if you're have any interest in elk hunting like hopefully through you know listening to these podcasts and stuff we've got you inspired to go look into it do it and if you want in my opinion like a resource that is exactly like our resource as far as aggressive aggressive and effective whitetail and turkey hunting tactics if you want that for elk hunting follow born and raised because like these guys these guys are doing stuff in my opinion that is just like so similar to what we're doing in the east yeah it's crazy and i feel like it just translates to you know it was an easy transition for us to just like learn a different type of hunting because the aggressiveness is so similar and i I firmly believe that being aggressive while hunting is the only way to be. <laughs> I, do, I do know, like, my wife, this on the record, is going to probably hate because I'm like, well, you know, November, probably, like, fly out, go chase some whitetails, and, like, April, probably going to be, you know, out of the drift boat by then and probably in the turkey woods somewhere yeah. back east oh, a little yeah. bit more. Like, I mean, we have turkeys locally, but I think the thing that fascinates me is, like, hearing about these big tracks. Like, I... Like, I always picture public land back there in, like, a section, 640 acres, Mm -hmm. and that's, like, your tract of public land, and there's 25 dudes on that 640 acres, and hearing, like, these big, yeah, big four, like, like what there is for opportunity out there that I really didn't feel was really achievable. Like, it's it's almost opposite, like, people thinking, like, it's impossible to go elk hunting, like, I thought go public land whitetail hunting or turkey hunting seems impossible to it's, me it's like yeah. the scales are are different even sometimes too but it's it's like that that hunting pressure feel like what we did it's like you know there's other guys out there and stuff yeah. and you know there's people out hunting 
the same with deer. It's like, you know there's deer hunters, but like you don't see them that often. Yeah. yeah. It's so like that, as far as how that goes, like as far as seeing and hearing other hunters, very similar to what we do with deer and turkey, honestly. Interesting. Like, yeah. Even though the scales can be, can be different, it's like the way that we hunt allows for that separation from the majority of just thinking outside, thinking, doing stuff differently than the majority gets you away from that hunting pressure. And I think that is very similar, I would say. Cool. Yeah. Well, can't wait to, can't wait to show you guys some deer and turkey stuff dude, now. I'm stoked. <laughs> <laughs> be awesome. Ted, do you have any final closing thoughts? I, I will say, um, I've never been so impressed with a young man in the woods as you. Like 19 <laughs> years old, coming in here, hucking it. Like I know when I, I my first out of state hunt by myself, I was 18 years old, went to Nevada, backpacked. I backpacked overnight in one night by myself, mm -hmm. and it was like the scariest thing in my entire <laughs> life. And like you went through sleeping pad not working. Uh, you know, I mean, pot pad and like the rain, ne this, the rain. The, the and I never tough. once heard a negative word out of your mouth. Like really impressive. So thanks. You're an all-star. Thank you. Yeah. Um, final thoughts. Uh, I can't thank you guys enough. Cause like I've wanted to do that for a long time as well. Mm. And so, yeah, learned a lot. Dream come true. Like yeah. really is. And now it's like, just got the got it started you yeah. know it's just the no, beginning a, of like yeah. a life a life like a life of you know pursuing these things for for you know that's what it's all about man year. that's the reason yeah 100 percent. that's awesome so. all right guys well thank you for listening to the born raised audio experience or the hunting public podcast the public podcast we appreciate all the downloads the listens subscriptions whatever everything all of it um we for sure we'll be having more of these podcasts talking about successes uh, maybe near misses and everything in the upcoming future as the 2019 elk season continues um just thanks for listening Cody. yeah one one last thing if we brought any value to you during this period of time screenshot this text it to a buddy mm -hmm. share this podcast that would mean the world to us absolutely yeah. and give us some feedback too if you guys yeah. have like things you want to talk more about or whatever on you know maybe different platforms or maybe more collaborations whatever like just yeah feel free to give some feedback too we love it and mm -hmm. we appreciate you guys because if it wasn't for y'all we wouldn't be out here yeah what, is it jake and Al jake and alan right yeah jake and alan from pa that we met at trail at yesterday or is it andy? Oh, andy. 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 Jake andy 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 yeah that uh you know we were talking about this is like you see numbers, subscriptions, views, all that, and then you get to meet some of these real life people yeah. that are just the same as us. Mm -hmm. They're out here on an adventure, and so a huge shout out to Jake and Andy for going yeah. out and chasing their dream and spending some time in the Elkwoods. Yeah, and if and uh, you guys have any success, still send us those pictures. And if you got any funny pictures that we took, send them to us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love that stuff. All right, Later. alrighty guys. Later. <laughs>